Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Guanajuato, Mexico with Tim Leffel, author of The World's Cheapest Destinations. Tim came to this expat paradise on a writing assignment and called his wife immediately to tell her that he found their new home. In this episode, Tim shares historical stories about Guanajuato's role in the Mexican Revolution, why the city is best known among Mexicans for its mummy museum, and we hear all about the Serpentino Festival, which is the biggest in Latin America. You hear these three unique stories and so much more in today's interview. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Guanajuato. Before we start the interview, I'd love it if you give my show a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback improves the interviews, helps new listeners find the show. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Don't you just hate waiting in line for security at the airport? Me too. Even the pre-check lines are slammed most of the time today. That's why I use Clear to skip the lines and get to my flight quicker. For my listeners, I've actually worked out a special deal where you can try Clear for free for two months. This is a limited time offer, so go to wetravelthere.com forward slash clear to sign up today. Hey, Tim, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on. Definitely. So we're actually talking today about a city that I honestly haven't heard much about. It's a city that you live in called, if I can pronounce this correctly, Guanajuato? Yeah, that's it. And you'll hear it pronounced a little differently here and there because it's an old indigenous word. It's not actually a Spanish word, but yeah, Guanajuato. Okay. And that city is in Mexico, correct? Yeah, we're smack in the middle of Mexico, up in the mountains at about 6,500 feet, 2,000 meters. So it's not a beach destination. <laughs> yeah, but obviously good for hiking and everything else. And we'll get into all that. So what brought you into Guanajuato? So as a travel writer, which I've been for a long time, I had an assignment reviewing hotels in San Miguel de Allende, which is about an hour and a half from here, and Guanajuato. And I had not heard much about this place either. I just knew it was an old silver mining city from the colonial days, and that was about it. And um, San Miguel was nice. It was okay. And then I got here, and I was like, oh, man, this is the place. And I sent an email to my wife and said, okay, I found the place where we're going to live. And she said, what are you talking about? You just got there. <laughs> and I said, no, trust me. Look at the pictures, first of all. And then uh, we ended up coming here the next summer and did a trial run. Like we stayed here for a month and she liked it. My daughter liked it. And so we ended up making it our base. That's really cool. So how long ago was that? That was back in 2010. So uh, it's been a while. My daughter, she went to school here for three years and now she's off in university. So that okay. kind of shows how long it is. She came here for elementary school for a year. So it's been off and on though. We went back and forth to the States a couple of times. But now that we are empty nesters, as they say, this is our permanent <laughs> home. We don't have to spend uh, USA rent prices and healthcare prices and all that. Sure, sure. A lot of expats, uh, you know, they travel to these other destinations and they fall in love with it. But then, you know, the reality isn't always as lives up to the dream. What's kind of kept you there? First of all, the weather's really nice here. And, you know, I think that's a big reason why people move a lot of times, especially if they're in a super cold place and they want to get away from that. I mean, it's sunny almost every day here. There's a pretty short rainy season where it just comes in spurts. And it's the kind of place where you can sit outside every day of the year and eat lunch or have a drink. And that's really nice. It feels like Southern Europe, but it's that way all year. <laughs> so 
There's a lot of old colonial architecture. I like that. There are buildings here that are older than Jamestown. You know, it's like, oh wow. there's a lot of history and, and it's also super walkable. There's really two streets that have cars on them going through the historic center uh-huh. and all the rest of the traffic goes through tunnels underground. So it's a great place if you love to walk. I mean, we don't have a car here. We rarely take a taxi. It's pretty nice. We, it keeps you in better shape too if you're walking everywhere and it's kind of hilly here. So you're walking up hills sometimes too. <laughs> We're on a pedestrian only street where we got to go up a bunch of steps to get there. So it's better than the um, sedentary life. So you and I met at a conference called TBEX and you obviously travel around quite a bit. Is there an airport that's nearby that gets you to all these international destinations or do you have to transfer? What's the airport situation like? So there's a pretty good airport called the Leon Guanajuato Airport. It's between where I am and a city called Leon, which is much more industrial. But the upside of that industrial city is a lot of business travelers come here. It's actually known as the shoe capital of Mexico because they have a lot of shoe factories. But there's also General Motors plant, a Nissan plant, and a Siemens factory, some things like that. American, Delta, and United all fly into here, and then Aeromexico and Interjet and Volaris. So it's pretty easy to get in and out. But having said that, it can be a lot cheaper to just take a bus to Mexico City, which is about four or five hours away, because for international flights, especially heading south to Latin America, it's a lot less from Mexico City. I mean, crazy less sometimes. Like my wife just got a ticket back to the U.S., for $140 or something like that one way from Mexico City. So sometimes it's worth it to just hop on a bus and go down there. Okay, so about $140 to Mexico City. What would you say if I was going to fly from uh, Leon Airport? Usually when I go back to the U.S. or come here on a round-trip flight, it's between like five and six fifty, which is not all that cheap. But sometimes I use miles. Sometimes I'm uh, at least accumulating some miles. But <laughs> but um, I'm also cognizant of baggage because I'm usually bringing things from the U.S. that are sitting in my mother-in-law's garage. So I don't necessarily take the most economical flight because I want to be able to check some bags. So it was really nice. Southwest used to fly into Mexico City, and that was really great. But they stopped that route for some reason. Okay, so if uh, some of the listeners want to visit Guanajuato, then they're going to arrive at either Mexico City Airport or the Leon Airport, which is closer. Let's say they're going to fly into Leon. What's the best way to get from the airport into Guanajuato? There is a bus, if you time it right, that's 50 pesos. Um, so that's really cheap. That's like $2.50 these days. But it only runs at certain times of the day. It's a company called Unibus. Just look up U-N-E-B-U-S to see that schedule. Otherwise, you have to take a taxi, which is not horrendous. It's 550 pesos, so less than $30, and that's door-to-door. So it's not too bad. If you're going to San Miguel de Allende, there's a shuttle service that they put people on a van. You know, it's like a shared shuttle service, but we don't have that for here. So there is Uber, too, by the way, but sometimes it's cheaper, sometimes it's not. It's kind of a roll of the dice. Okay, so we've taken either the bus or the taxi to the city center. And like you said, it's very walkable as we're walking around. Are there any like major hotel chains there or is it primarily like mom and pop type places? Where should people stay? Yeah, there's a lot of mom and pop small places. There's a lot of larger hotels that are still Mexican owned. The only um, real chain hotel here is outside of town. It's a Holiday Inn Express. (laughs) And then out by the airport, there's a whole slew of them. But 
in Guanajuato itself, they're almost all independently owned and they're not part of any chain or anything. So you won't be um, getting any loyalty points when you stay here. But <laughs> there are hostels that are a bargain at, you know, 10 bucks or so, sometimes even a little less if it's not busy season. That's for dorm room, of course. And you can get a pretty decent basic little hotel for 20 bucks. There's lots of Airbnb places. And then at the high end, there are a few luxury hotels that are two or 300 a night, which really isn't bad from an international standpoint for what you get. But what are some of your favorites? So there's one called Maria Cristina that's very nice, Via Maria Cristina, that's up towards Presa de la Hoya, which is a dam and a lake up above the city that was built to stop flooding <laughs> way back when, maybe in the 30s, I think. But, you know, it's a little bit removed. Whereas if you want to be in the center, there's one called Hotel 1850 that's right smack in the middle, that's right on the main plaza, which can be a little noisier if you're sensitive to that. And then there's another one called Casa del Rector, which is an old uh, rectory, an old you know, where the priest used to live, I guess. And it's been converted to a luxury boutique hotel. And they've got a really cool roof deck with a pool and a bar. And so that's a nice place to just take in the views. You know, in between, there's a whole bunch of places that are pretty reasonable because the the big secret of this area, the reason you haven't heard of it is because it's quite famous with Mexicans. It's a very popular tourist destination for Mexicans because of the history here. But it's not very well known by foreigners, and so the prices are quite reasonable because the place is really priced for Mexicans, whether you're talking about restaurants or hotels or taxis or anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, obviously, a lot of Americans are looking at Cabo and Cancun and Puerto Verde and some of those cities that are really popular in the press, but they kind of miss out, I think, by not visiting some of these smaller cities like what you're talking with Guanajuato. And that's something I'm always trying to get across to people is the interior of Mexico is so much cheaper than the coastal areas because they don't get so many tourists coming by the plane load every day. So, I mean, if you go to Los Cabos, you're not going to think Mexico is a bargain because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not in that area because everything's priced for relatively well-off tourists coming on a short vacation. So that kind of warps prices anywhere. But, you know, that place is kind of Mexico for millionaires. Uh, a lot of California money, a lot of uh, Hollywood stars and hedge fund managers and, you know, Silicon Valley people, whatever. Sure. But when you get into the interior, then you're looking at much more Mexican prices. And so you don't encounter those tourist markups and everything is really priced the way it is going to be priced for whatever the local market can bear. I want to talk about like some of the things to do while you're there in Guanajuato. But before we do that, obviously in the news, you hear these different stories about drug violence or gang violence and things like that. Is there anything like that that people need to be kind of concerned with when they travel to Guanajuato? There's been some news about what's happening in the state. The state I live in is called Guanajuato, which San Miguel de Allende is also in. But this is Guanajuato City, so there's a difference there. There's not really a lot of cartel activity going on in, around here. There's not any you know, marijuana fields. There's no transportation route that goes through here to the north. So there's not a lot of that. What has been happening in the state is there's been some pipeline theft from like petroleum pipelines because basically the cartels are trying to diversify beyond drugs because there's not as much money in exporting marijuana, especially anymore because it's legal in so many states in the U.S. <laughs> Plus it's grown domestically, you know, in the U.S. Sure. and Canada. And so, you know, there are parts of Mexico that are best avoided, especially some of the border towns, some of the port cities like Acapulco 
where violence does happen and people get caught in the crossfire. But it's really important to remember that almost all of the homicides you hear about are cartel against cartel things the same way. In the U.S., it's usually gang against gang violence in the inner cities. I mean, if, if you live in St. Louis or New Orleans, you don't necessarily think those are dangerous cities because you're not in the wrong part of town. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's kind of the same way in Mexico. I mean, if you hear about something happening to a tourist in Mexico, the reason you're hearing about that is because it's so rare that it's news. Yeah. It's not like nothing ever happens. It, I mean, that's not true hardly anywhere, but it's pretty minimal. And a lot of times, like you mentioned there, that they're either caught in a crossfire by accident or they're kind of out doing things they probably shouldn't be doing as a tourist anyways. Exactly. You know, there's certain things that you just shouldn't do in Mexico, like drive at night in the middle of the night, yeah. especially in an area you don't know well. You probably shouldn't be walking home by yourself drunk at 3 a.m. That's not real bright anywhere. <laughs> just common sense stuff. And there's not a lot of pickpocketing here except in Mexico City. So that's kind of nice. You know, that's not really a cultural thing here. But, you know, you do hear about sometimes somebody getting mugged or getting carjacked and stuff like that. But it's the same stuff you hear about in the U.S. too. You know, people just are less sensitive to it when it's in their home city, it seems like. Absolutely. So I just wanted to address that because I think a lot of people are afraid to kind of travel to Mexico because of some of these horror stories that they hear in the news. And it's obviously safe enough for you to live there. So at that point, it's safe enough for people to travel and visit. Yeah, I remember that 40 million people came last year. I mean, it's not like this is some weird undiscovered place. Absolutely. So when people come to Guanajuato, what are some of the things that they really shouldn't miss when they come visit? What do they really want to do? Well, this is kind of a, a city where you want to just kind of walk around and soak up the history and the atmosphere and spend some time just at an outdoor cafe, enjoying the weather and uh, people watching and that kind of thing. But there are some museums here that are kind of draws. The biggest one is the Mummy Museum, the most famous one. And if you ever come here and then meet a Mexican anywhere else in the country and you mention Guanajuato, they're going to go, oh, did you go to the Mummy Museum? <laughs> it's just that kind of place. But it's a weird place. It's you got to be into this kind of strange and macabre to enjoy it. I think it's basically a bunch of preserved bodies. You know, they're not mummies like wrapped up in cloth. They were basically people that didn't pay their taxes at the cemetery, and so they were all kept in this dirt floor room for decades. And there's a lot of minerals in the soil here, and the and the climate's pretty dry. So they were all basically really well preserved without any kind of embalming or anything. And so now they're all in, on display behind these glass cases. And it's kind of funny. They've got a little description about each mummy, like about their life. And they've made up names for them if they didn't know. And you know, so it's kind of a, a silly joke in a way, but it's it's a big draw here. And it goes along with the Mexican fascination with death and the way they kind of relate to it, you know, with Day of the Dead and all of that. And you mentioned earlier that this Guanajuato is actually like a, a silver mining city. Is there some sort of museums or exhibits related to that history? There are some small little museums here and there, but there is a mine you can still go into called Valenciana. And you can go in and uh, tour that and go down and see what it was like. And there's a little museum attached to that. And there's a really fantastic church there, too, also called Valenciana. And it was basically built by the man who struck ore there. And he's like, kind of made a deal with God, you know, if you make me rich, I'll build you a beautiful church. It's one of those crazy Latin American churches that has gold leaf everywhere. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's really uh, kind of bedazzling when you walk it. Sure, sure. 
And then you also gave me a note that the city itself was kind of important to the Mexican Revolution. Yeah, so this is where the first battle of the revolution was fought. They started in Dolores Hidalgo near here, and they marched to San Miguel de Allende and gathered up more troops and organizers, and then they marched to Guanajuato and caught the Spanish by surprise. And the Spanish all retreated into this greenery called the Alandiga, this big stone building. And there's this local legend here, which who knows if it's true or not, but there was this local indigenous guy who torched the front door, the wooden door, with like a piece of slate across his back so he wouldn't get shot. And they busted down the door and won the battle. And so there's a big statue dedicated to him up on the hill that I can see right now from my window. He's El Pipila. El Pipila, huh. Yeah, so he's a big local hero. That was the first battle. And then, of course, like most of these revolutions go, it took them 11 years to really gain independence. But <laughs> that's, where, that's where it all started. All right. And then as far as like more modern times, there's, I think, also a, a nice theater that's nearby that you can see a lot of shows that are relatively affordable. Yeah, Teatro Juarez, it was opened in 1910, so a little more than 100 years old, and it's a beautiful building, and it's a great theater to go see a show in, and they don't have things there every night, but it's every few nights, and then during the Cervantino Festival, which is coming up, a big cultural festival, there's something in there every night, but it's worth going to a show, even if you don't really care about what's playing, <laughs> just to uh, check out the theater, but Sometimes the local symphony plays there. Sometimes there are dance shows, um, musical concerts, whatever. And it's really, really reasonable. Tickets are either 50 pesos or 100 pesos, depending on what's going on. So it's either 250 or $5. Not bad at all. <laughs> no, to get a little culture. So you mentioned the, uh, the Cervantino Festival. What is that? So it's coming up here soon. It starts next week, actually. It's every year, and it's about three weeks long. I've been told it's the biggest festival in Latin America as far as how many people come and how long it is. But it has uh, acts from all over the world. There's usually one country that's featured, and then there's one Mexican state that's featured. And so a lot of performers, more than normal, will be from those two places. But then there will also be you know, world music from all over. And then you know, there's some dance, there's some outdoor performance art, art shows, and all kinds of things. Most of the shows are free, but then some of them that are, you know, name acts that are coming through have a charge. But again, it's pretty reasonable. I think it's pretty hard to pay more than $10 for anything. And then there's even one area um, over by that Alonda Greenery I was talking about where they have two different seating sections. They have a place where you can sit on chairs and pay, or you can sit further back on the steps and it's free. <laughs> oh, cool. And so this festival happens every October. Yeah, for three weeks every October. And, right. um, you know, it's a different featured country every year. I think it's Canada this year. I'm not sure. but And then a different Mexican state because they all have their own music and handicrafts and whatever. Well, we only have a few more minutes left. And I don't want to miss out on talking about some of the some food that's there in Guanajuato. So what are some of your favorite places to eat and like what should we eat there? So this is not known as a foodie city. Uh, okay. I got to get that out there right off the bat. This is not Oaxaca or Puebla or Mexico City. Those are the places you should go if you're a, a serious foodie. <laughs> okay. But we do have pretty good food here. There's, I don't know, eight or 10 restaurants that are consistently good. And those are the ones I usually recommend. But there's one called Los Campos, one called Mestizo, 
those are right in the center and they're uh, easy to get to. And then the guy that owns Los Campos, he's Canadian and his wife is Mexican and they own a, another uh, couple places nearby that are consistently good and fun. And then um, I was talking about that place called the Presa de la Hoya, which is 15 minute walk uh, up the hill from the center. There's another place there I really like a lot. It's kind of a more of a steakhouse, just, I don't know, kind of gourmet restaurant. It's called Amatchi. It's kind of hard to say, A-M-A-T-X-I. And I'd say those are kind of like the ones that you can always rely on. But a nice French restaurant called um, Table de Andre. And there's a place called Casa Veladez, which is right in the center across from that theater we were talking about. That's probably the most popular place with upscale Mexican people. And it's very nice and usually good, too. Those are all kind of the high-end places. But if you go just to eat street food here, it's really good. Like, in a lot of ways, I think if you want just pure Mexican food, you're better off doing that than trying to find it at a restaurant. Because sometimes the Mexican food in the restaurants is okay, but it's not as good as what you get fresh on the street. Oh, sure. Especially like taco stands. You know, you don't want to order tacos at a restaurant. They're going to be a lot better (laughs) at the stands. Absolutely. And I know that you wrote a, a really good post about the best places to eat in Guanajuato. And so we'll link to that in the, in the show notes as well. Thanks. And, you know, I, it's not that I'm telling everybody they got to go to a high-end restaurant, but even the high-end restaurants here are so reasonable by home standards that you're going to be happily surprised when you get your bill. Nice. Well, Tim, I really appreciate you sharing so many awesome tips about Guanajuato, but now it's time for the final countdown. So if somebody only had time for one meal in Guanajuato, where should they go and what should they eat? I think I would go to um, Los Campos that I I mentioned. It's a popular place right on um, Plaza Baratillo. For an appetizer, they make these really good jalapeno corn cakes, which are a nice way to start your meal. And then they have um, a lot of good sort of tapas things that you can share, which is always fun if you've got a few people. They make guacamole barracho, which is drunk guacamole, which has some mezcal in it, and that's uh, good. And uh, fried avocado, some things like that that are kind of different takes on Mexican food. And then they've got some short rib tacos. So I'll take that back. That is a good place to get tacos if you want to get something like that. But not a lot of vegetarian dishes, but they've got a few. And then actually right next to there is a little chocolate shop, like an artisanal chocolate shop. So you can uh, top off your dinner by going there. What's the name of that? It's just called Chocolate, but starting with an X. So Chocolate, like the Mayan spelling, I guess. My wife, when she hears this episode and hears you describe all that food, she absolutely loves Mexican food. So uh, we we may be coming down to visit you. Good. Yeah, I'll uh, take you around. And one quick plug, I run a street food tour company here. I used to guide the tours myself, and now I've got guides that do it. But it's just uh, MexicoStreetFood.com. And we take you to the best stands and show you how to order and also point out restaurants to check out while we're walking around. Nice. And yeah, of course, we're going to link to all that in the show notes as well. So uh, you've lived in Guanajuato almost a decade. What's one of your most memorable stories of living there? Like my personal stories are more like just little vignette things like walking down my, my street where my house is and somebody comes up with five donkeys on a leash, you know, <laughs> like I just run into, <laughs> I run into weird stuff like that all the time or some marching band will come by. They have these military bands here where they're really just kids, like high school kids, but they're playing these drums and bugles songs and it's like like that funeral march kind of thing but 
and it's like I've asked so many people well why do these things exist and they're like oh I don't know their dad did it so now they do it and it's like it's just this weird tradition you know a lot of things like that that just kind of don't make sense and um, I think one of the most fun things when we first moved here was just learning the different timing on traditions they don't really celebrate Christmas very much here I mean they celebrate it but it's not when the kids get their presents they get their presents on the 12th day of Christmas which is the Three Kings Day so on Three Kings Day, when my daughter first came here and she was 10, I guess, um, we went to this parade and they were throwing candy and these guys were riding camels, you know, <laughs> supposed to be the three wise men. And kids are supposed to leave uh, their shoes outside the door and they get presents in their shoes. So it's always kind of fun learning about those different traditions. But for Christmas, what they do is go to midnight mass and then have a mu- huge meal and stay up all night. So Christmas Day itself is pretty mellow. I can imagine if you're staying up all night, it's uh, time for, uh, we talked about like a siesta all day. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, okay, so where's the happiest happy hour in town? Well, it's actually happy hour all the time in this town because it's a college town and um, the University of Guanajuato is here. And so the bars, most of them are priced for students, which means they're cheap. <laughs> and um, you can literally find dollar beers here in quite a few places. Like you can get a bucket of beers of, you know, six of them for $6. The usual, you know, Mexican beers you would see everywhere. Sometimes you'll see a Michelitro for 40 or 50 pesos, which is basically a liter of beer mixed with hot sauce. And it's sort of like a beer Bloody Mary and people either love it or hate it. But it's basically two or $2.250 for a liter. <laughs> Oh, wow. wow. Some places will have mezcal shots for 10 pesos, so it's 50 cents. You know, I'm not going to say that's the best mezcal you've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) But if you just want to tie one on, it's it's a bargain here. But like last night, we went out to some place that was kind of fancy, actually. And um, my wife had two cocktails, and I had two glasses of wine, and the bill came out to less than $10. And so that'll give you an idea. Absolutely. So say if I'm coming down to Guanajuato, uh, where should we go for happy hour? Like, What's one of the places we should go check out? Well, there's actually, man, about six or seven bars all in one two-minute walk of each other in the center. And it's basically between Teatro Cervantes, which is another theater, and Teatro Juarez. So that's an easy way to remember it. If you just walk between those two places... There's a whole bunch. They're kind of dive bars, honestly. <laughs> I mean, they're, they look like student bars, you know. There's a tendency here to open a place and then never change the furniture. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, most of the people in there are either locals or college students, so it's usually kind of fun. There's one right by uh, Teatro Juarez that also has a bunch of pool tables, so that's kind of fun. And then if you want to go upscale a little bit, there's a few places that are also in that same area, but up on the roof. And so you can, you know, have a nice view while you're having a cocktail or a beer and it's not going to cost you a whole lot more. What's one of the upscale places? So the fanciest one is above that Hotel 1850 that I was talking about. There's a, uh, a rooftop terrace on the top and it's called One, just the number one. You'll pay like double what you would anywhere else, but it's kind of worth it. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, it's nicer. The furniture's not falling apart. Uh, the views are good. <laughs> Service is a little better. So uh, maybe you'll have to pay um, $6 for a drink instead of three, but it'll be worth it. So whenever I travel, one of the things I like to do is have uh, pepperoni pizza. That's one of my favorite foods. Is there a good place for pepperoni pizza in town? 
There's a whole lot of bad places for pizza in town, <laughs> and they tend to put hot dogs on top half the time, even if the pepperoni, it's also going to have hot dogs on it. And once again, not the highest quality hot dogs. So if you want a good pizza, you should go to an Italian restaurant. There's three pretty good Italian restaurants here. I would recommend La Capolina because that's literally steps from that theater we were talking about, Teatro Juarez. And then if you go um, in the other direction from that theater, there's a second floor restaurant that's above Hotel San Diego, which is also quite good. I would say if you go to either of those places, um, you will have a decent pepperoni pizza instead of a one that's cardboard with uh, hot dogs on top. Yeah, I mean, I like hot dogs and everything, but not on my pizza. <laughs> Sorry, La Trattoria is the place. Pretty generic name. La Trattoria is the, the other one. So La Capolina or La Trattoria. You obviously travel a lot between the U.S. and Mexico and everywhere else around the world. What's your best travel tip? Uh, slow down. You know, if you uh, are trying to tick off 12 things in 12 days, you're going to spend a lot of money on transportation and you're never going to know the lay of the land where you are and where the good bargains are and that kind of thing. So if you can, you know, spend some time in a place and get to know it a little better and talk to some locals, you'll probably end up at much better restaurants. You'll end up spending a lot less and you'll have better memories. Oh, yeah, that's a great tip. You know, especially like when I used to work in corporate finance for a bank, it was a lot of like weekend trips and things like that. And like, yeah, we were always rushing between different places trying to get it all in. And sometime you know, five, six years ago, it kind of clicked to me where, you know what? I have enough miles and points. I have enough rewards. I can always come back. There's no need to rush. In today's day and age, you can go back and visit cities again and again and see all the things that you missed maybe the first time around. Exactly. I think I've been to Peru five times and I'll probably go back again and see a different part. It's going to be there. You don't have to do it all in one shot. Absolutely. So Tim, again, I really appreciate you being on the show. For the people who, that are listening that don't know who you are and what you do, can you share us a little bit about that? Well, my main blog that I write all by myself is called the Cheapest Destinations blog and it's been around since 2003 and you could probably figure out what that's about, how to travel well for less. But my, my media company owns some other sites, too, and I do have some books out. The World's Cheapest Destinations is now in its fifth edition, and uh, that's where the blog came from originally as a place to just kind of promote my book. But then it took on a life of its own. But if you want to see more of what I'm working on, just go to my name, which is timleffel.com. There are fortunately not a lot of Tim Leffels out there, <laughs> which is good in the Google age. So uh, I'm a pretty easy guy to track down. Nice. And so if, if people want to connect with you to maybe ask questions about Guanajuato or learn more about your books, what's the best uh, way to contact you on social media? If anybody's listened this far, I guess they've got permission to email me. It's tim at timleffel.com, which again is not hard to find if you don't remember. I'm on Twitter at Tim Leffel. I'm on other platforms with that name mostly, but on Instagram, I'm globetrots, G-L-O-B-E. T-R-O-T-S, kind of a, a pun. Somebody had my name already. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when that happens. Yeah. Well, great. We're going to include all these links in the show notes. Again, really appreciate you being on the show. And I look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thanks. And uh, it was good hanging out with you in Montana. Big thanks to Tim for coming out to the show and introducing us to Guanajuato, Mexico. Show him some love by visiting his site at timleffel.com and follow his adventures on Instagram at Globetrots. Send me a tweet at WeTravelThere to share your favorite thing about Guanajuato, Mexico. All the links we talked about today can be found at WeTravelThere.com forward slash Guanajuato. We want to say thank you to Clear for being our affiliate sponsor of today's episode. I hate waiting in line at airport security when I travel. 
That's why I use Clear to skip the lines so that I can save time and get to the airport lounges quicker. We have a special limited time offer for listeners where you can get a free two-month trial of Clear when you use the link wetravelthere.com forward slash clear. Sign up today and see how much time you can save. For your questions about an upcoming vacation, visit the We Travel There podcast community on Facebook for the best tips from travelers like you and me. Join us next time as we head to the inner harbor of Baltimore, Maryland with Tyson Koska of OnTrajectory.com. Tyson shares which hotel is the best for listening to concerts, about the home of where Edgar Allan Poe died, and how to pick the right blue crab. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.